All right, folks. Uh, it's my pleasure here today as a part of the PGA of Alberta's Education Committee. Uh, we are putting on a wonderful podcast series. And with me today is Bryce Halverson from Valley Ridge Golf Course. Uh, I'm just going to blow Bryce up a little bit here and list off a few of his accomplishments. Uh, Bryce is the 2021 PGA of Alberta Class A Professional of the Year finalist. Congratulations on that this year. And last year, more impressively, Bryce won the 2020 PGA of Alberta Apprentice Professional of the Year, which is very exciting. A newer award in our association and fantastic to see him win that. And he is the current president of the PGA of Alberta Assistance Board, which is a nice feather in the cap. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Really appreciate it. And uh, you definitely didn't need to pump my tires quite that much. It's, uh, it always sounds bad when you put it all together, but, uh, but no, just been lucky to, uh, you know, be uh, heavily involved in the association and, uh, and really enjoy getting a chance to do all those, uh, you know, being as involved as I have been. So, well, I think that's awesome. Um, being involved in our industry is, is certainly an important thing. Uh, so for the viewers who haven't listened to too many of our podcasts, um, this podcast falls under the education portfolio of the PG of Alberta. So hopefully uh, you get some education components about um, our industry, uh, certainly with assistance in this podcast, and also just some good entertainment because Bryce is quite the character who a lot of our industry professionals know. Okay, so let's get this started, Bryce. We could go on about your accomplishments for a long time. Um, but you know what, to, to get us started, why don't you just tell us about uh, how you ended up where you were, are in the industry? Absolutely. Thanks, Josh. Um, certainly was not a, uh, a straight line, as, uh, as many people probably can attest to. Um, grew up here in Calgary, but uh, the main sport when I was growing up was all hockey. So I uh, did a little bit of soccer and lacrosse as well, but hockey was always my main sport growing up. Um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I was actually a hockey goalie. I tend to leave that information out a little bit just because people tend to judge me for it. Um, I like to think I'm maybe not as, uh, as much on the weird scale as a lot of goalies were, but um, people tend to also make their own, uh, you know, their own, uh, assessments on that. So, um, after playing hockey, um, I, you know, had a, a brief stint of playing a little bit of junior A, but it was mainly just junior B and came back, uh, to, to start going to school here at SAIT and, um, started working actually at uh, Harvest Hills golf course known as uh, one tough nine. So I uh, worked there in the golf shop, uh, for a season. And then after that, we actually went to the Calgary Elks, which is now the Winston golf club. And. Um, as they say, uh, Dale Tomlinson was there in my second year and uh, was a fantastic, still is a fantastic mentor to me and um, convinced me to get my, my card. And, uh, and before I knew it, I was, uh, you know, taking on more and more and uh, just really enjoying, you know, the day-to-day -day work life of being a golf professional. And now Dale, Dale caddied for you at your PAT too, did he not? Correct. And, and most people wouldn't actually believe me saying this, but Dale did walk 18 holes both days with me. So um, he was in shorts, even though it was raining. But uh, no, it was uh, it was a stressful two days at Redwood Meadows. And um, I still remember uh, day one, I was uh, was on the range and everything was just sopping wet. Uh, and I was just trying to hit some pitch shots, just trying to get the golf ball in the air. And uh, beside me was who I didn't know then, but uh, now I know it was uh, it was Ken Fukushima. And uh, yeah, he, uh, every single shot he was hitting looked identical and, uh, and I was hitting it about two inches behind the ball on every swing. So, um, it was a little bit of a rough start, but, uh, you know, got my bearings and then found a way to get the job done as, as you know, right on. Perfect. So finished up at Harvest Hills, got your, got your pro card with Dale at the Winston. And then, uh, how did, uh, how did you make the transition to Valley Ridge? Yeah. So obviously I uh, was at the Winston for uh, about four years and really enjoyed it, but um 
obviously, as most people will tell you, it's, it's good to explore other golf courses and um, learn from different people. And uh, I knew Chris was an excellent leader at Valley Ridge and, and uh, I'm good friends with Steven as well. Uh, him and I coached the state golf team together. So um, I felt that it was a good fit and, and just was obviously looking to uh, um, always learn new things from new people, I think is a very important skill to, to have. Yeah, there's no doubt, right? I mean, I think that that's a pretty common thing for a golf professional to work at one golf course for a little bit and say, hey, you know what, I need to expand my horizons, if you will, and, and head to a different facility, um, if you will, right? Different leadership styles, different types of golf courses and so forth. So um, that's fantastic. So tell me this, right? Uh, you know, as the goalie, everybody's friend, of course, right? Never have problem getting ice time unless you're really bad. <laughs> um, but what were what was the transition like from you know going from elite hockey to the golf industry and and even more so you know what what synergies do you find between you know how you were as a hockey player and what you bring to the table as a golf professional? Yeah, I would say in in terms of playing golf itself, I really liked the challenge um, switching from a team sport to something that's very individual. Um, you know, as a goalie, obviously you could uh, you can get blamed for a loss here and there, but um, in team sports, there's, there's always a lot more excuses, right? You can blame the defense. You can, um, you can always have a way out. Whereas with golf, I, I love the component of holding yourself accountable. And, you know, if you hit a bad shot, it, uh, that's on you. And, and so that aspect and that challenge, I really, really enjoy. Um, and in terms of, of working in the golf industry, I really, really love um, the team atmosphere that we have, not only as an association, but obviously uh, from a facility standpoint as well. So, um, that's something that I always look for, you know, if I, if I was ever looking at, uh, you know, switching facilities, it's, it's, what is the team like and do the, the golf pros that are there or, you know, the people in F and B, um, you know, how, how do the strengths and weaknesses of each person at that facility complement each other? And, you know, how can you, how can you bring that to your, your skill set to the table to help, uh, help them out? Yeah, I think that's so key, right? You know, uh, as a, as a golf professional who doesn't work at a golf course, I get to visit obviously a lot of golf courses and, and chat with a lot of golf pros. And it's, it's interesting how all of the guys who are really happy in the industry seem to work at a golf course that promotes just a really great culture, right? Um, there are some golf courses that seem to be better at that than others. Um, you know, I know Valley Ridge uh, here at Golf Tech, we use your facility for, for our outdoor stuff. And uh, it certainly seems like there's a good culture down there. Uh, with yourself and Steve and, and Curtis and Chris. So I think that's awesome. Right on. So let, let's switch, switch gears a little bit. Um, got a good understanding of, of how Bryce ended up in the golf industry and um, where you are today. But I do want to dive into uh, your time on the PGA of Alberta Assistance Board, um, because I think that that's, that's definitely a, a feather in the cap. And with that, probably have a lot to share with other golf professionals. So tell me, um, Tell me about the assistance board and what the goals of that assistance board really are, right? Because I know, I'll be honest, before I, I joined the board, I, I wasn't really sure what the role of the assistance board in, in our association is. Yeah, and I, I think maybe it's something that uh, we could do a better job at uh, promoting and explaining. But essentially, the assistance board is, uh, is an avenue, um, you know, made up, it's, it's a leadership group made up of, of assistant professionals in our zone. And our goal is any initiative that we bring forward should be in the best interest of uh, the other assistants and apprentices in our zone as well, right? So, um, you know, for instance, we have that professional development series that we're doing right now, uh, and we want to tailor any education in that series specifically to assistants because 
Um, at the end of the day, it, it's all about developing and starting to gain as much experience and growth as you can. So um, for me, once again, I, I was always told as, you know, getting more experience in the industry um, to get as involved as possible, right? Join a committee, um, network as much as you can, make as many relationships as you can, because it is such a tight knit community. Um, and one of the, the things that I was told is I said, they said, you know, if, if you are able to get on the assistance board, it's a great way to, you know, to, to share ideas and to really be able to, um, talk and network with people, right? I, for instance, with our PD series, you know, we have to get panelists on to, um, each, each episode, each education series. Um, and, and just by doing that, right, I, I get a chance to talk to some of the great leaders that we have in our association. And, um, it's just a great way for us to to try and give back to all those members that are obviously working so hard at their facilities. Awesome. Yeah. They, like I say, you know, you look at the assistance board and, you know, you see a lot of high profile assistants on there and it goes without saying that those that get involved in the industry usually end up with better jobs in the future, right? There, there's a strong tie to be being involved, right. And, and future career growth, if you will. Um, have you enjoyed your experience on that board so far? And, and when is your term over? Um, will you run again or, or tell me about that? Absolutely. So uh, the, the main board itself with jo what Josh is on is a, a three-year term. Uh, the assistance board, obviously, with just a little bit more um, fluctuation and, and jobs and, and stuff like that is a two-year term. And um, I definitely will, will want to continue being on there and helping, you know, helping that assistance board as much as I can. Uh, it sounds cliche, but I really do believe that the more involved that you are, um, the, the better it is for your career, right? Uh, so I, I, I really think that if you're able to promote yourself and, and get your name out there, the, the more times that someone, uh, you know, hears your voice or sees your name or sees you in person, uh, the more that uh, if they're maybe looking to hire or they're looking to, you know, network with, uh, with an assistant pro, um, that you're going to be at front of mind, which is important. For sure. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's awesome stuff there. Um, let's get deep now. Uh, what drives Bryce every day, right? You know, I, I've known you only for you know, three or four years, I think, but what is it that, that gets your juices flowing each day to wake up and be the best golf pro that you can be? Threw a curveball at him. This one, yeah, was, this one wasn't yeah. prepared ahead of time. You're putting me on the spot, Josh. I mean, there's a, uh, everyone's intrinsic motivators are definitely a little bit different. Um, for myself, I, I think, you know, talk about teaching a little bit. It's it's getting up every morning and and understanding that you get to, you know, improve someone else's experience, whether it's with golf or whether it's, you know, with the service that you provide. And um, and I just I see the the benefits of when you're you're able to, you know, really make someone's day and um, you know, you get that email where it's just like they're over overjoyed because they just went on a golf trip and they shot their their best career round or, you know, you were able to uh, to regrip their clubs before club champs and then they, you know, they, they played really well. Things like that, I, I think, are are really important. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think as an association, it's our duty to to strive to be the best and, and try to, you know, be a trusted resource for all of those members and guests and uh and public players that, uh, you know, we, we have the privilege of getting to serve every single day. For sure. I think that's great. You know, um, I think you hit the nail on the head a lot there, right? Everyone's intrinsic motivations are a little bit different, but it's a very rewarding career, right? And one of the things that I've always enjoyed about golf and in golf instruction is, you know, as golf professionals, we deal in recreation, right? Like people are coming to us to have fun 
or get better at having fun, right? So, you know, we really get to see hopefully people at their best, um, which I've always really enjoyed about our, our career. Um, continuing down our very deep path here, a um, little bit more serious on this one, but as the president of the assistance board, do you have Stephen Yanitsky and Brady Carlson call you Mr. President? I don't formally ask them to. If they decide to do that, that is obviously their choice. It's an option, uh, though. It is, it's always an option. I, I have worse nicknames, probably. So, <laughs> uh, But no, I, uh, I like to keep things pretty casual. Um, I like to throw a jab or two when we're on the golf course. Sure. You know, Brady and Steven are pretty easy targets, typically. Sure. Um, so, you know, whether it's... Uh, maybe being a little quiet for a three or four foot putt that I know could potentially be missed, things like that. Absolutely. You know, if, uh, if I need to get the, their juices flowing or get the mind going, I definitely will, will maybe add that in there. I like it. I like it. That's awesome. Perfect. All right. So, you know, talked about uh, your current work and, and talked about how you got to where you are. Uh, I think it's really important as golf professionals that we look actually into the future. Of course, none of us have a crystal ball if you will, but uh, it's evident by the love and passion you have for the game that you're going to be involved in the industry for quite a while. Um, I'm curious to know, what does the future hold hold for you? Yeah, I mean, personally and, and selfishly, my, my goals are, I, I love the club side of things. I love, uh, you know, the managerial side of, of golf club operations. So, um, my goals would obviously be to, to, you know, at some point become a head golf professional and, um, you know, from that, hopefully use it as a springboard to, to one day become a general manager, I think would be fantastic. Um, you know, from golf as a whole right now, I, I think we're in such a great spot and golf mm -hmm. is booming. And obviously we've, uh, we've been blessed to have the opportunity to, to see golf grow so much. Um, so at the forefront of, of my mind and, and what I feel is that I, I think we need to make sure that we do the best job at retention that we can. So, um, you know, you, you hear the term all the time of grow the game, grow the game. And, and absolutely, that's still obviously always going to be um, really important. But I think, you know, those people that we've taught that maybe was a beginner golfer last year and we did a, you know, a three pack of lessons or a five pack of lessons or that new member that you just got at your golf course, that's maybe only an annual member right now. It's uh, the, I think the question we need to ask ourselves is what things or, you know, what programs or what membership types do we need to put into place um, to ensure that that, you know, those people stay in the game and they stay, um, you know, loyal golfers and we can have them at our clubs for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Um, we had such a big boom with uh, the baby boomer generation and that's where, you know, the majority of people's memberships are right now. Um, but we do need that second wave of, you know, a big boom of golfers to, to lock into golf courses and, uh, and want to be the, you know, the voice of the clubs moving forward, I think. Right on. I think that's, that's fantastic, right? I mean, uh, you hate to say, as golf professionals, we've all said it, but COVID was in part maybe just a little bit good for golf while it was so, uh, so bad and continues to be for so many different industries, right? We're, we're very fortunate that way. And I think it's, it's awesome to see. Um, golf professionals um, being aware of that, but also taking advantage of, you know, the growth that has brought our game and, and hopefully it continues on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we're you kind of alluded to it, but where do you see golf going in the future? Um, do you see the roles of golf professionals changing at all? Do you see, um, you know, obviously we want golf to continue to grow. Do you think the industry is going to change at all or at this point, I mean, it's really, really tough to say. Um, 
obviously, as we've seen with, with simulators and uh, a lot of, you know, indoor facilities popping up, I think technology is definitely going to play a huge part. Mm -hmm. um, those golf courses that aren't currently offering something year round, I think will need to um, adapt and, and diversify so that they can be a year round home for their members. Um, but honestly, I, I think a big part of golf too is going to be developing some more short courses yeah. and, and getting every single golf course to, to have that family aspect to it. Right. I, I love like a, a blue devil having a little devil and, um, you know, even like a Macaulay having that part three course there, I think being able to have a shorter course where the entire family can come up and play, you know, at Valley Ridge, we have a, a five hole loop. And, and for this year, you know, we saw 41,000 rounds and, um, that five holes was a huge part of that because we'd be booking, you know, people would be checking in for tea times all the way until nine o'clock in June. Um, and they say, you know what, we just, we're a family and no one's playing their team sports right now. And we just want to get outside and, you know, have an hour to an hour and a half of quality family time with no, no screens, no distractions, things like that. So, um, being able to maybe use technology and, and really cater to the entire family, I think is where you're going to see golf headed because people you know they have less time and that time that they do spend they want to do it with you know with their family members and for stuff. sure yeah i think you know the future of golf is great because there's so many different avenues that our industry can still go mm -hmm. right i mean it's it's no secret golf has been this very traditional industry for a very long time and we're starting to see it kind of it grow past that and then you hit the nail on the head there's so many simulator places even in calgary now and in edmonton and all across Canada and the States and, and the world for that matter. Right. Um, that gives golf professionals another place of employment and the shorter courses and different, different offerings at golf courses. So I think that the role of golf professionals, if we want it is only going to continue to, to grow past what we know is a traditional golf pro to be. Yeah. And I think it'll diversify too. I mean, even with things like dress code, we've, we've seen golf really relax and become a lot more casual. And, you know, I, I love the idea of, Hey, you have 18 holes here. We have a short course, but maybe we also have, you know, some, some cornhole and some bocce and things like that, where it's going to keep everyone on the patio for an extra hour. And it's going to allow you to, you know, to why not throw on your, your flip-flops and a pair of shorts, and you're just going to go hang out on the patio for the next hour with the family. Right. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's absolutely right. In, in my opinion, um, it's interesting, you know, we, uh, I am aware through, through my work at golf tech that, you know, the number one objection to golf by users is not money. It's time away from their family and other things. So, you know, the, the things, everything that you just mentioned addresses the time objection, right? Shorter mm -hmm. golf courses, right? Well, less time, five hole loop with your kids and family, right? You can do that relatively quickly. Simulator technology, you can do that relatively quickly, mm -hmm. a smaller timestamp on the day. So I, I just think that's awesome. Now, of course, you got to be sensitive that budget's always a concern, right? For, for lots of people. But yeah. the nice part is the less time you're there, the less money it costs as well, generally speaking, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, not scripted. This one wasn't on, on the paper, if you will. Are we doing a good job? As golf professionals, you know, what, what makes you the most proud as a golf professional and in, in being a PGA member? Absolutely. I think we're doing a phenomenal job. I, um, everyone that I talked to and, you know, you, you, you mentioned awards a little bit and I, I genuinely feel like so many golf pros this year deserve an award for their commitments. You know, it's, it's getting up at, uh, you know, at 5am to get to the golf course and not leaving until dusk 
and doing the things that, that matter, right? Just doing a junior camp and, um, you know, maybe giving back to a charity through lessons, things like that, where you're going to go above and beyond, you know, the, the expectation. I think everyone's, everyone's quote unquote job descriptions and expectations have really changed in the last two years. But mm-hmm. uh, the beauty of our industry and our association specifically is that we, we like doing that. We like going above and beyond and we understand the big picture that's, hey, we have a, this window of opportunity that we can really, really, you know, make an impact with golf and, and you know, with introducing and, and keeping people with the game. And, and I think, you know, everyone that I talked to was, was happy to do that. They were they're you know, obviously maybe a little bit exhausted after two years of craziness, but uh, I think everyone was just excited that we have this, this chance to, to really, you know, go above and beyond with our lesson programming and with our, you know, our junior programs and things like that. So, yeah, I think we're doing an excellent job to answer your question. For sure. I think that's great. And I love how you said, you know, we have a window of opportunity because, you know, life is at some point <laughs> going to get a little bit more back to normal and people will start traveling even more. Right. But that window mm-hmm. of opportunity, I think, you're right. Golf is capitalizing on it and it's captivating the attention of people. And, you know, um, we've got to make, make our hay while the sun shines, if you will. And it's, it's great that golf pros have been doing a a very nice job of that. Exactly. There's no doubt. Um, junior golf. I know that junior golf is something that's very important to you and the promotion of junior programs. And, um, I was just wondering if you could, you know, share with other professionals, your thoughts on junior golf and, and its importance in, in the industry and just being a good person, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I think junior golf, once again, the last couple of years has been more important than ever before. Um, I've been lucky to work with some, some excellent junior leaders, you know, Carson Taylor and Steven Unitsky, where I work right now at Valley Ridge, um, have both done a, a great job at um, taking, a, you know, your stock standard junior program and saying, how can we get creative with this? What kind of, you know, what kind of cool ideas can we come up with that juniors are going to love, right? Um, so for instance, uh, you know, Valley Ridge and the Winston this year, we did a junior Ryder Cup where Saturday we played at one course, Sunday we played at the other. Um, and we had 11, you know, 11 juniors and one golf pro on the team. Um, and we played four different formats. So where, each, what was the other golf course? Sorry to interrupt. Winston, yeah, the Winston and, and oh, nice. Valley Ridge. So, um, and yeah, each nine holes was a different um, event. So, you know, if let's say your first nine, you were down three or four, um, you had a chance to reset and, and start over for that second nine and um, doing things like that. I, I, you know, I know Carson that's at the Winston, he did a, a face-offs and fairways program this year where he combined hockey and golf together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is about thinking outside the box a little bit and, and, you know, comparing it to other camps that you'd maybe do at a UFC or a state where they're encompassing other sports and other activities um we we tend to maybe get caught up and think you know oh holy smokes they're going to be at our facility for six hours or eight hours you know that's that's a lot of golf that's too much golf so it's how can we how can we do other things that are going to you know how allow them to have fun maybe teach them about teamwork um teaching them about communication and, and things like that where they're still going to have a really good time they're still going to get their golf instruction but they're also going to, you know, when, when they're leaving on the last day, they're going to be telling their parents how much fun they had and how they want to come back next year. Yeah. That's always, you know, teaching junior golf. That's always the most rewarding moment when you see a kid go back to mom or dad and just say, I want to come back tomorrow. Right. Or you see them come back 
when it's not clinic time and mm-hmm. they're just there to hit balls with mom or dad. I, I always think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And that was surprising this year. We had juniors coming in and practicing and they were, they were saying, you know, mom's going to pick me up in two hours. I'm going to go hit the short game area, hit the putting green and, and go hit some balls. And it was like, yeah, that's, that's awesome because how many golf pros have you, have you heard the, the age old story of, you know, how did you get into golf? Well, mom dropped me off at, at 8 a.m. and picked me up at 5 p.m. And yep. I did whatever I could to keep myself entertained in between, right? So for sure. Absolutely. You know, so junior golf obviously is growing very, very quickly. And um, we were talking earlier about, you know, the the window of opportunity for golf. And with that has has really allowed us to welcome, I don't want to say welcome is the wrong word, but we've seen um a number of different individuals get involved in golf and, you know, traditionally golf has been a white male sport and we're seeing us, us really move away from that. And that's really exciting. And diversity and inclusion is, is so important and, and a huge value of the PGA of Alberta and PGA of Canada. Right. Can you talk about that and, and some different programming you've been involved in and um, whether it be women's golf or, or any other programs? Yeah, absolutely. Um I was involved with uh, with golf and tacos this year, so that's a, a ladies only programming that really um, it, it catered to those women that are professionals, um, you know, working downtown and and within their work they wanted to get more involved with golf. So um, I absolutely loved doing it. It was a it was a blast and uh, uh, definitely a, a high energy, high fun group. And I, I really do think that you know for myself, I, I've seen the women's game, the side of the game grow exponentially you know I would say in aligned with juniors and, and definitely more than than we'd see on the male side so um, juniors and, and females were definitely the the focal point in terms of instruction and, and in terms of growth and retention um, but in terms of you know encompassing all the diversion and, and inclusivity um, you know Chris Ward our our vice president on the assistance board he was uh he was on that task force to um, create that PGA of Canada document and if you haven't went through it it's a uh, it is 80 pages. It's very thorough, very comprehensive, but I would definitely recommend because um, the PGA of Alberta and I think the PGA of Canada as well um, are taking diversity and inclusion and making it one of their core values and, and really, you know, saying, hey, what can we do to um, to maybe focus on Indigenous people or focus on low income, you know, kids in schooling and, and what can we do to, to cater to those and, and build programs that, you know, are specifically for those demographics for sure it's uh you know as we move forward in today's day and age and it should have always been a priority and it's, it's mm-hmm. nice to see that being a priority um now wonderful um so much good information from yourself and uh you know a wealth of knowledge um you know you are not that uh that old a golf professional and certainly when we look at uh some of our peers like bob paley and and Dale Tomlinson, you're still quite young. I mean, don't tell Bob and Dale that, but because uh, they're still very, very young at heart. But yeah. uh, but I, I do appreciate you telling yes. me how young I am. Yes, that's very, that's very nice. Yes, a very young professional you are. <laughs> um, but I'm curious to know, you know, as a young professional, but an accomplished one at that, what what advice do you have for younger? professionals or not younger professionals but people who are just getting into the industry we talked a little bit about involvement earlier but you know what's some of the advice you'd say hey man like as soon as you get started in the pga here's what here's a little bit of a roadmap what would that roadmap look like for yourself in passing along to somebody else yeah i i think the words of wisdom that 
you know, you mentioned Bob and, and Bob is someone who really speaks on authenticity and being true to yourself and being an authentic leader. And I think um, with that, you, you always need to keep an open mind. Um, it doesn't matter if it's the golf industry or another industry. Um, you'll see and, and talk to people that are, they start to become really closed-minded and they, they think that they maybe have, have figured it out and, and um, have learned it all. And I think, you know, being as complacent as possible and, and being a continuous learner and saying, hey, you know, I started out being a golf pro at, uh, in this year, but, you know, 20 to 40 years later, the, I'm sure, um, you know, those with a lot more experience than myself will attest that you need to be adaptable and you need to, you know, understand that the game's going to change and that you need to change with it. So um, being a continuous learner and never being afraid to, to ask someone who might be an expert in their field as to, you know, can you teach me something about this, right? If I was talking to you, Josh, it's like, hey, can you, can you give me a lesson? Can you, can you maybe, you know, give me, your, I don't think I could, I think you could teach <laughs> no. me quite a bit. Yes. But uh, um, you know, learning from different people and what they're really good at, because once again, as an association, you know, everyone, everyone has their strengths and everyone's going to have their weaknesses. So if you can learn from different people who, who have strengths in that, in that field and, and learn from a couple of different perspectives, you'll, you'll start to create your own, you know, your own flavor, your own brand of, of what works for you and what, uh, what maybe, you know, you want to instill um, forward for, for your own type of, you know, personality and perspective. So for sure. I think that's, that's nice advice, right? I mean, I've, I've always thought that there is more than more than enough golf knowledge to go around. Right. And we live in a work in an industry where, you know, we are very specialized with, within what we do and, and the recreation environment we operate and leaning on those around us to, to just get better at what we do is, is perfectly okay and can only help you accelerate your career. Right. Yeah. I, th I think some of the best ideas are stolen ideas and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. If, yeah. if uh, someone else has a really good junior program idea or a really good, you know, men's night or ladies night idea, it's like, why not take that to your own club? Because it's going to be brand new for them. And, and if, uh, if it's worked somewhere, chances are it'll probably work somewhere else. Right. So for sure. We don't always need to reinvent the wheel either. Absolutely right? not. No. All right. So fantastic information. Um, just a blast to have you uh, a part of this podcast series and some good educational content there as well. Uh, but let's do, let's do a quick nine. I'm a big fan of the subpar podcast and those guys finish off with uh, the quick nine. So I got nine quick ones for you. All right, let's hear it. Right. First, first, uh, first answer that comes to mind. We'll start off with a couple softballs here. Uh, number one, favorite golf course. Cabot Cliffs. Cabot Cliffs. What was it like? And and when Just was it incredible it's surreal i uh, i haven't been to bandon yet so obviously that's on the list but um cabot cliffs was uh it's hit at all the views and all the all the picturesque moments but uh but every golf hole was uh was just exceptional. Awesome. Awesome. Cabot Cliffs. I hadn't been to Bandon yet either, but did you see Sam Hart or sorry, Sam uh, Kirkness and Eric Locke 14 yeah. rounds in nine yeah. days. I don't think those guys like golf very much. <laughs> I think they probably were just sitting by the, you know, sitting in their hotel rooms for sure. Yeah. yeah. What's this? I saw um, Eric Locke posted 172 kilometers walked. And I was like, yeah, I know I wasn't on that trip now. Yeah, I hope they brought a couple pairs of shoes because the, the dogs are going to be barking, that's for sure. Right. All right. Uh, number two, favorite golfer? Tiger Woods, number one. It has to be. Yeah. I, uh, I hope he makes a comeback here. And uh, um, But I think there's a lot of really good ones now. There, more than ever, there's some really good role models. So 
Um, I like how every golfer now on the tour has got a different personality that you can kind of latch on to and sure. Um, but tiger, tiger is always number one. Right on. I like it. I like it. Um, what'd you think of the Brooks Bryson match? I didn't watch it. Honestly. Um, I'm a bigger fan of Brooks than I am of Bryson. So I was happy with the the results. Um, but, uh, you know, any trash talk and, and any publicity is always a good thing. I think so. Yeah, no, I thought it was good. There was a couple Bryson, Bryson tried to be funny and, and witty, but it just didn't come across that way. But Brooks is dead. Right on. A uh, number three, your least favorite golf skill to teach. Oh, man. Everyone's got one where it's like, oh, God. Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm going to go with putting. And I'm just going to say because there is so many unique styles. Yep. And, and typically... Um, when you're teaching someone putting, it's so much more about their mental state when they're over the ball than it is about their actual stroke. Someone could have a phenomenal stroke, but if they're standing over the ball saying, okay, let's make sure I don't have a four foot putt coming back. Well, chances are they're probably just, you know, they're, they're not going to be successful. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I'll tell you a quick story for me putting. I, um, traditionally I'm not a very good putter. So, uh, the putting green that I used to teach at back at Gallagher's Canyon, yeah. the golf pros would always walk by and just laugh at the fact that I was teaching putting <laughs> and, uh, I always had to convince my students like, it's okay. Just because I can't do it very well, I can still teach it. Right. Those who, those who coach <laughs> don't have to play. <laughs> I, I've heard different things, Josh. I've heard you got a pretty good short game. Uh, Okie dokie. All right, uh, we'll, we'll go on the opposite side of that with number four, your most favorite golf skill to teach. Chipping. Chipping. I like, love teaching short game. Nice. Yeah. Short game is fun. All right. Little little good one here. Who's the better two-ball team? Chris Paskin and Curtis Robertson or Bryce Halverson and Steven Yanitsky? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, this isn't uh, this isn't opinion-based. This is just strictly fact-based. So... Um, a little inside information here. I uh, hopefully Chris and Curtis don't listen to this, but um, we over the past two years we've had a little you know uh, match taking place. So uh, because Steven and I are both on the taller side of things, they, they call they tend to call us the towers. Okay. Uh, and the the nickname going back to Chris and Curtis, who are a little bit more let's call it vertically challenged. Yep. Um, their nickname, it wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't Steven. It was, it came out uh, from someone else, but they, they're called the Hobbits. So Towers versus Hobbits match uh, has taken place. There's been four rounds and uh, uh, the Towers have three victories and one loss. All so right. So uh, that stays here, but uh, that's, uh, that's all I have to say. But that's, that's more than enough. And there is definitely some trash talk for sure. Oh, yeah. I can, who's the best trash talker in that group? Oh, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. I think Curtis is good at throwing a little, you know, off the cuff jab uh, yeah. when you least expect it. And, uh, um, but Steven and I like to, we like to throw our, our chirps as well. And then, yeah. you know, Chris, Chris gets a little sensitive on the golf course sometimes. Uh, so, there you go. Yeah. Right on. I got to tell you Chris, Chris Paskin's story. Cause I'm, Absolutely. I'm sure he'll listen to this. I think so. So it was uh, myself. And Chris Paskin and, and our partners playing the uh, pro lady this year at Stewart Creek. Yeah. And uh, we start on number three, that par three. Oh, okay. That's a tough starting hole. Yeah, it was a tough starting hole. And Chris steps up. And that ball at that tournament is a, what is it? It's a best net, Stableford, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris Shanks' his first one. Just sails right of the trees. I think it hit <laughs> Highway 2 on the way to Golden. 
<laughs> and his partner just looked at him and said, I guess I got to hit a good one now. Right? <laughs> so I'm luckily, sure, I'm luckily, sure he'll hear this. this luckily that part of the highway is closed. So no one <laughs> yeah. was injured in, the, in, the, in that shot. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty funny. All right. Number six, who's your favorite hockey team? Calgary Flames. Calgary Flames are looking good this year. Yeah. I grew up being a huge Colorado Avalanche fan. Um, with being a goalie, Patrick Wall was, uh, sure. was my guy, but uh, through and through Calgary Flames. And uh, I think the Oilers are going to wish they had a little bit better goalie. There you go. I like it. I like it. Markstrom looks pretty good as a goalie. So does Vladar. I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, one sport left to play, hockey or golf? Golf for sure, because uh, my body will hold up a little longer. I, uh, my knees aren't fantastic, which is why I only play player now. So uh, please no one uh, asked me to go play goalie at uh, 11 30 at the edge on a Sunday night because I won't be there but uh, uh, yeah golf, golf has definitely been a nice transition because I can play it a lot longer that's for sure beautiful true or false question here for you oh jeez. <laughs> you can rack up your fair share of garbage goals on the ice true yeah true? I if I score a goal it's not normally more than a couple feet outside the crease that's for sure yeah there you go yeah they're they're not pretty I compare myself to like a Patrick Maroon on the ice sure yeah, yeah. Yeah. Someone told me you might be a little bit of a goon type. Just plot yourself in front of the goaltender and smash away when you need to. Absolutely. Well, with my goalie career, I spent most of it sitting on the bench opening the gate. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I developed a couple, you know, a couple chirps here and there. So like that's, uh, that's, uh, that's my game. That's my bread and butter. Perfect. Uh, last question for you. Number nine, then we'll close her up. Who is the best PG of Alberta hockey player that you know? Oh man, I'm biased. Uh, I would say J.R. Hogan is definitely up there, but just because I play on the same team as him, I'm going to have to go with Carson. Yeah. Uh, I get a lot of second assists from that guy. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, I'm sure he, he's, uh, he'll be humble about it, but if you check any sort of, uh, by the way, he plays on like four different teams. Okay. So he, he plays a lot of hockey, but sure. if you check pretty much any men's league in Calgary, I'm sure his name's somewhere on a leaderboard with, uh, with more goals per than, than games played. So beautiful. That's awesome. Right on. Well, Bryce, I want to thank you for your time today, man. Just awesome to uh, sit down and chat about your golf career and some of your insights into the future of our industry. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, definitely humbled to be on the podcast. And uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So looking forward to it. Good stuff. Right on. Well, uh, that wraps it up today for our PG of Alberta podcast, folks. Um, part of the education portfolio. Uh, great, great podcast with Bryce today. Uh, lots of great content coming forward. We'll continue this right until the end of March and early April and uh, probably get something uh, exciting going through the summer or fall of 2022 as well. Right on. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Oh, beautiful. Well done. You okay there? That was awesome.